People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone. Thank you all for listening again today. This is Joy Silver with Outspoken, and our guest today is Will Rollins. He is a candidate for Congressional 41 right here in Riverside County. Last time we spoke to Will was in March of 2022. I do want to ask him about how he sees things differently from that moment in time. He is a former federal prosecutor who specialized in counterterrorism and counterintelligence cases in Southern California. In October 2021, he left his job at the DOJ to run in California. California's 41st against dun, 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 Representative Ken Calvert, a far-right Trump-endorsed Republican who voted to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Now, when Will wins, he'll be the second openly gay man ever elected to the House from California. Will Rollins, welcome to Outspoken. Thank you for having me, Joy. Great to be back with you. Well, I'm really happy to hear that your campaign is doing well, at least from my perspective, it seems that it is. You've been out in the field and been garnering and meeting people and listening to their needs. Do you see things any differently from the time you stepped out onto the dance floor at that point in time? And how does it look to you now? Yes. I mean, earth-shattering developments in our politics, of course, um, in a lot of different ways, but especially with the far-right radical Supreme Court that we've got overturning Roe versus Wade and taking away a constitutional right that had existed for women in this country for 50 years. That has completely changed the political landscape and I think very rightly made this November about whether we as the American people are going to decide that women should have the freedom to control their own futures and their own destinies. And um, I'm incredibly proud to be standing with women in that fight because all of our freedom really is on on the line this November. And we've absolutely got to stand up against people like Ken Calvert, who joined the suit to overturn Roe and have been trying to tell uh, women what they can and cannot do with their own bodies. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. Do you see younger people at your campaign events? There's been several rallies. I myself have witnessed younger people coming out for this. What is your impression? What do you see happening out there as far as the voter and the voter registration and our population and residents out here in Riverside County? I'd say the two largest rallies that I have attended since becoming a candidate for the U.S. Congress in October of last year have been around the issue of choice and freedom of choice. And I have seen more people and more young people and more women and young women who are engaged and and active at those rallies than at any other event since becoming a candidate last year. And I think, you know, the data also is backing this up and we're seeing record numbers of new registrants and of those new registered voters, disproportionately high number are young women. And completely understandable given what this court has done to them and our collective future as a society. So I think as horrible as the the decision was, you know, a silver lining of it is that the public will not stand. 
stand for this attack on women's freedom and women's liberty. Well, and I think it has certainly enlivened that part of the population that often is seen as, well, we don't feel like we have enough, we have the power, our votes don't matter, but I think we're seeing a real difference. And I don't think it's just here. I've been listening to reports across the country, and they've been saying that it's a good deal of the younger people, mostly women, a big percentage increase in the younger women and and young men, but mostly younger women and women in general that have been registering across the country. Do you think this is going to make a difference on the national election scene, certainly for Congress and certainly for uh, what your colleagues, your your soon-to-be colleagues will be facing? Will we hold the House? I think we will. And I think we've already seen in every special election since Dobbs was decided, Democratic candidates have been outperforming the Biden 2020 number by an average of five points. And you also look at what happened in Kansas, a deep red state with the ballot initiative that would have restricted abortion access there. And I think seeing the turnout that we've seen across the country in upstate New York, places like New York 19 with Pat Ryan, where Pat Ryan you know, spent about $300,000 against $3 million from Republicans and won that special election in a a district that is actually very similar to California 41 in registration. And Alaska, the recent special election that saw Sarah Palin defeated, right? These are signs that the electorate is rejecting the kind of extremism that these far-right MAGA Republicans in, in a lot of these competitive House seats have been running on, in Calvert's case, for 30 years. And, you know, the problem with running to the extremes is a political strategy when you are in a safe Trump plus seven district, as Calvert had been for most of his career until this year, is that when your district changes and when you've got a purple district and you've got moderate voters who are 70 percent of whom favor reproductive freedom, you are going to lose. And you've got a record of pandering to the extremes that's going to come back to bite you. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen to Calvert. Well, let's look at this a little bit. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the registered voter numbers. The Democrats, uh, the latest report at the ROV, as they say, Registrar of Voters, right here in your particular district, I see we're at 168,000 Democrats versus 166,000 Republicans. And while that seems close, what I find a bit concerning is that the Libertarians are at about 14,000. And I often wonder if people know what they've actually signed up for. But the American Independent Party has about 20,000 people in it. Now, Oftentimes, and I've been out there in the field registering voters, and oftentimes people who people who sign up as an American independent think that they are signing up as an independent, not realizing the extremism that the American Independent Party stands for. Although I also see non-party preference at about 90,000, and it seems to me that the fight is really for those unaffiliated voters. And how are you reaching them? Great question. And I I think one other trend that we should talk about in those numbers, too, is the fact that from January of 2022 to August of 2022, Republicans in California 41 lost about a thousand registered voters. And in that same time period, Democrats gained about 2000 registered voters. And so that's a trend that I think is very promising for November. 
And when the Republican Party continues to shed voters, I actually have an, an aunt who was a lifelong Republican until Dobbs. And at Dobbs, that was the moment she decided she was going to change her party affiliation. And I've, I've talked to a lot of different Republicans or former Republicans in this district who have had different breaking points with the Republican Party. And mm-hmm. what they sometimes will say to me is, I didn't leave the Republican Party left me. Right. I think that is very telling about how a lot of those roughly 90,000 no party preference voters are also feeling in this congressional district. And we've seen in our own polling and polling nationally that while the economy, of course, is an important issue to many voters as it should be, among intensity and among likely voters, women's reproductive freedom is way up there. And it's among all voters of all genders, too. And I think that that's really telling among independents. And I've talked to a lot of conservative-leaning men who've said, I've got a mom, I've got a sister, I've got a daughter, and I may be conservative on some of these issues, but on reproductive freedom, I don't want my family, I don't want my daughter growing up in a world where she doesn't have the ability to control her own future and to decide when she wants to start a family. Mr. Calvert, a staunch opponent of women's bodily autonomy, he was against abortion, even including uh, instances of rape, and voted for that bill to jail the doctors that perform abortions. I mean, this is ultra extreme. And my understanding of what, quote unquote, conservative always meant was you want less government interference, not more. So how do you see that with Mr. Calvert? And are you using that in, well, I'm sure you're using it in how you speak to people, but what about those independents? Does this ringing true for them? It is, absolutely. And I think part of it, you mentioned the the libertarians, right? (laughs) Even the libertarians are hear those kinds of votes and hear about the mechanics of the bans that Republicans like Calvert are talking about and the use of federal law enforcement and think about the mechanics of this. Okay. The, the bill you just mentioned that would jail doctors who performed abortions for women who got news, for example, that they no longer had a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So this bill would instruct federal law enforcement to investigate and prosecute those doctors. And I think when moderates and independents and libertarians are thinking about the way that our government and our federal law enforcement should operate, nobody in their right mind believes that the FBI should be executing search warrants at doctor's offices, putting doctors in handcuffs, and looking through people's medical records to figure out whether they performed or needed an abortion because they got horrific news about their pregnancy before they gave birth. And and I think that that kind of image of this Orwellian huge government apparatus coming after women and doctors is repulsive to so many of us. And it's enabled a lot of Democratic candidates to justly claim that we are the party of freedom Mm -hmm. and we are the party that wants to keep the government out of your bedrooms, out of your contraception decisions, out of your medical decisions. And that is a really powerful message that resonates with upwards of 90 percent of the American public. I think it's interesting. Now, you were a former 
federal prosecutor. And these same laws about sending in federal enforcement to do a job like this, many of the people who are advocating for such think that the former guy, Colt 45, he's he whose name I do not mention on this show, that the federal enforcers that came in to grab documents on a warrant, this is a problem. But to tell women and to send in federal forces for something that should be so private within one's body, that's okay. It's a bit of conflicting ideas. So I think it's more towards whom we're looking towards to control. And I think that's a big issue for somebody like Calvert. Right. And I've been saying that this election is really about how we choose to use the law, because the contrast between how I would use it and how my opponent would choose to use it could not be clearer. I'm running against somebody who believes we should use the law to dismiss charges against people who attacked the U.S. Capitol and police officers last year, but thinks it's okay for the federal government to prosecute women who get an abortion and their doctors. And that contrast is stark and presents all of us with an incredibly important choice that we're going to have to make on November 8th. In your campaigning, and I know that this can happen because as a candidate develops platform points and continues to speak to people, have you unearthed any issues that you hadn't thought about that you're now including in your platform or feel stronger about than you did in the earlier time? The truth is campaign finance reform. (laughs) And I say that as a first-time candidate because the process of running and seeing the impact of money, unfortunately, on our system has had a really profound impact on me. And I've been doing this for just about 10 months. But I always knew that Calvert had a reputation for corruption and for being in the pocket of corporate donors. But it's the process of running yourself as a candidate that I think teaches you firsthand just how corrosive the influence of money can be in our political system. And I, you know, I'm incredibly grateful and proud to have had a ton of financial support from real human beings. We're not taking corporate PAC money and been able to outraise Calvert and individual contributions pretty much every single quarter that I've been in this race. But the issue that stands out to me, that's something that all of us should care about, again, regardless of party, is getting money out of politics in its entirety. And so a couple of basic points that I think any responsible member of Congress really should be advocating at this point, we've got to ban all corporate contributions, including possibly, you know, through an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I I hope that there are some steps we can take short of that, but ending Citizens United through an amendment is absolutely something that I would support. We've got to strengthen disclosure rules so that dark money and PACs cannot be used to conceal the origin of funds that come in to influence a ton of these elections at all different levels of government. And we've got to ban self-dealing, meaning all, all members of Congress should be banned from trading stocks and their spouses. And they should also be banned from doing what my opponent did in real estate over the years, from using inside information about where new highway exchanges are coming in because you control the earmarks and then buying up land near those earmarks in advance, turning around and selling it for a half million dollar profit in a span of a couple of months. And so those issues really have continued to stand out to me as I've been campaigning because I've seen firsthand just how 
important it is that we get money out of the system entirely. I know, it's quite the shock. I think as a candidate, and and no matter how much you may have been part of someone else's campaign or what you've supported, there's kind of an idea, and I I say it's it's an idealistic thing, that you have a good message, a strong message, and when people hear you, but when you realize that as a candidate, how much time, and think about this, Will, this money-raising thing is happening in every single place at millions and billions of dollars. And some candidates win and some candidates don't. Can we imagine what this kind of cash, the kind of change that this kind of money could make for our citizens, for people who actually are citizens of the United States? I mean, for me, I think that was one of the biggest shocking things when I realized the magnitude of money and how much of your time that you spend on raising money. Even though you're going out right. there, you have to think, I have this much time, I need to raise these many dollars. Frankly, I'm very, very grateful that you're on this show today because this is a half an hour of your time that you could be raising money from somewhere. So everybody who's listening today, let me just say that Will Rollins, our next 41st congressman, he can use your help for fundraising. So Will, how do they get a hold of you? Just want to give the weight that they could possibly contribute to your campaign. Well, thank you for asking that, Joy, and I do really appreciate the irony of me saying, please give me money so I can get money out of politics, but (laughs) the irony is, it is what it is, unfortunately, and it's Will Rollins forcongress.com. And I think just to go off of your your last point, you know, for a second, more about the way that special interests and money really do affect our daily lives, because upwards of 80% of the American people believe that corruption and money affect their daily lives. And they're, they're not wrong about that. And I think about the votes that my opponent has taken and his campaign contributors, and the link between those votes and his money could not be clearer, right? In the wake of Uvalde, votes against bipartisan background check legislation. That's right. One of the top recipients of NRA money of any member of Congress in California. Rising costs for consumers, votes against price gouging legislation designed to keep gas prices lower for those of us in Riverside County. Top contributors, oil and gas industry, votes against capping the cost of insulin against capping the cost of prescription drugs, huge recipient of money from the big pharma industry. And so these are systemic corrosive problems that have infected our political system. And lots of people have been talking about it and complaining about it for years. But if we don't elect candidates that are committed to the kinds of reforms, I think regardless of party, Mm -hmm. a baseline commitment from every candidate seeking a U.S. House seat really should be this campaign finance reform, because if we if we can't agree on that, the country is just going to be continued to be run by ultra wealthy individuals and corporations. And it is a an alarming development, as we've also seen income inequality skyrocket to levels that haven't been seen since the 1920s in the United States. And, and it's it's really up to the American people, the people listening to this show to push for that, because those of us running for office and those people in office cannot do it without the support of the people and the people 
really need to unite around this and stand up against uh, money and politics because it is a corrosive and corrupting influence. Well, one of the most dastardly decisions ever made was Citizens United, and we certainly lost some footing there about directly about some of the issues that you've just outlined, and I think this is a critical thing. And I also think you, you made another great point about candidates, once they have been elected and profiteering off insider information, and then profiteering from that knowledge and then representing those interests. I mean, when we look at the NRA, more pro-gun money, when we look at uh, other anti-choice special interest groups or big oil, things that kill people. <laughs> this, right. These are the these are the interests, you know, the, the, the thing about prescription drugs, things that actually kill people are being perpetrated upon the citizenry of the United States. And yet... If that's the only message they can hear dressed up in some fashion that makes people think that this is what freedom is about, the freedom to be able to be dead uh, and have a horrible life, but dress that up as freedom to do whatever you want and say whatever you want and stand for whatever separates us, this is a problem because money can sell these things. This is what advertisement and marketing have always been about. And so when we make our elections about simple marketing, and gathering enough cash to put those profiles out, those brands out. I mean, I think we could actually name many uh, candidates who are extremists that are basically brands of a certain philosophy with the same dressing with a different name on it, put a certain costume on them and a certain message to say exactly the same thing all the time. I don't see that the Democratic Party necessarily has the same thing to say over and over. I think there's a general platform. This is true. You know, we know what the platform points are, but I think each candidate has got a personality. And Will, you certainly have a personality. And just your experience as that federal prosecutor and that your your whole experience during the January 6th situation certainly got my attention when I first found out about you. So that issue, that was uncovered in a larger way than you thought. And what was the greatest positive event uh, that you came to realize after your campaign experience up until this point? I think meeting people who are everyday voters and realizing that once you cut through the noise and the kind of extremist profiteering that you just described so well, which is, you know, a lot of candidates who try to raise money who on the right and the, the list, this has an issue too on the left too, but people who pander to the extremes in order to get dollars and in order to get more airtime, that creates a perception that the country is more divided than I think it actually is. And that's not to say that there aren't real threats, but I I do think that the vast majority of Southern Californians, the vast majority of people in California 41, they just want somebody to represent them who is reasonable at the end of the day, who understands that we have competing interests and competing ideas about how to best achieve a, a future for all of us that is profitable, both morally and economically, right, that lifts us all out of poverty. And and there's too many folks in Riverside County who are below the poverty line. And our average income as a household in Riverside County is around 70000 per year. And so talking about the commonality that no matter what party you belong to, being able to, to get meaningful tax fairness in our system that has rewarded um, as a result of this extremism and pandering and, pro- and, and corrupting influence in politics, the uber-wealthy Americans who control more wealth than half the United States and, and corporations paying $0 per year in federal income taxes, no matter what party you belong to, and whether you're a small business owner or a nurse, that kind of unfairness 
and common interest in trying to move us forward as a, a country to make us a fairer, more just society has been one of the best experiences of campaigning because I've seen people in both parties who agree that that is a problem that needs to be tackled. And, and we really believe at the end of the day that, that reproductive freedom and the freedom to choose our own leaders are, are also on the line this November. And that's why I, I believe that we will win this election and that we'll keep, keep the House because there's only one party that's able to do that at this moment in time. Well, thank you, Will Rollins, candidate for the 41st Congressional here in California. I look forward to when Congressperson Will Rollins, we hope to have you on then. That's Will Rollins for Congress.com. And thank you, everyone. Stand up, fight back, because this is what democracy looks like.